This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. The ongoing CUPE strike keeping thousands of kids out of class. A Hamilton counselor not too happy with the Ford government's latest move. We introduce you to LegalSecondSuites.com. It's one and done for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. A new war memorial is going to honor former students of a Hamilton high school. And what exactly is Elon Musk trying to do with Twitter? The GMH Podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton Podcast on 900 CHML. Today is an amazing day for workers' rights, for people's rights, and for us to show what democracy actually looks like. That is the voice of CUPE's Laura Walton as CUPE education workers walked off the job on Friday. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. Well, as we know, as a result of that walkout, Catholic and public schools in Hamilton will be closed today amid the ongoing CUPE job action. What's the ripple effect? Well, it is big, obviously. Cheryl Robinson Petrozini is the Director of Education at the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board and joins us now on GMH. Cheryl, good morning. How are you? How are you? As the Director of Education, how are you feeling today? Uh, you know, Rick, we, all, we really want to prioritize our students. That is um, always our focus in thinking about student well-being. Uh, we know that students have been through a tremendous amount over these last few years. So in terms of how I'm feeling, my thoughts are with the families and with students because um, we want students to be able to be in school. So very conflicted because we also really support workers' rights and want, uh, you know, that collective bargaining process. Um, we recognize how important that is. So very conflicted. Obviously, students are caught in the middle of this. Schools are obviously caught in the middle of it as well. What have you heard from not only students and parents, but teachers as well? Um, you know, we, we've heard from teachers. Uh, obviously, they also belong to uh, a union, and so uh, we do hear from teachers who are expressing support uh, for QP members. Um, and so, you know, they are also obviously feeling conflicted. Uh, but we also, you know, I'm hearing from teachers as well about they understand. Uh, they're not happy with the current uh, circumstance, uh, but they do understand the need for us to center our students' well-being and uh, to focus on ongoing learning for our students. Speaking of which, we're back to uh, online or virtual uh, learning landscape for those kids who are not in class today and tomorrow. What can they and their parents expect? Uh, Thanks for the question, Rick. You know, one of the things that we've done is try to um, communicate with parents as early as possible. So we did signal to parents, um, you know, over a week ago that schools would be open this past Friday, which they were, And then the ministry, you know, has said that we need to go to remote learning in the event that we're not able to uh, keep schools open. So we also communicated with parents on Friday around what to expect for today. So today is an asynchronous learning day, which means that um, it's not live learning with the teachers. Uh, We're going to give teachers an opportunity to get that ready for students to go tomorrow. 
And in terms of what parents can expect, uh, we have been, you know, really good about providing timely communication and including information in there, as we did uh, last evening, on where they can find the materials that they can use to support their children today. Hamilton-Wentworth District Schools were open on Fridays, you mentioned, when CUPE education workers walked off the job, but not today. Could schools have been kept open and kept open safely this week? Uh, Rick, you know, uh, we've been uh, planning. We have a contingency team that's been planning. And one of the things that we did on Friday was we we spent a lot of time hearing back from from those who were in the schools doing uh, the, the tidying and the maintenance. And just understanding, you know, what's really what really would be required to keep the environment safe for students, it just wasn't feasible. Uh, there was a really difficult decision to make because we want the students in school and we wanted to be able to provide that opportunity. But we're only going to do that if it's safe for students. So it, it would not be possible for us to continue uh, opening schools at this time. Are you more op- optimistic or pessimistic that this labor dispute will end soon, perhaps even this week? I, I really don't know. This is absolutely unprecedented territory, uh, you know, with the passing of Bill 28 uh, and the use of the notwithstanding clause. So I, I wouldn't even be able to make a prediction, only to say that throughout all of this, our educators, our school leaders are going to be in touch with families, are going to be centering students' learning and well-being. We recognize that this might feel uh, very much like the early days of the pandemic where there was a lot of you know, uncertainty and stress and anxiety for some of our students and families. And so uh, also in our communication to families, we talk about supports that are available uh, to students and how families can access that support. Cheryl, really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining us and good luck this week. Thank you so much, Rick. Have a good day. You too. That is Cheryl Robinson-Petrozini, the Director of Education with the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board. Online learning or virtual learning is being launched this week at the public board. Uh, Same story at the Catholic board where schools are closed for in-class participation. Everything will be done in that virtual landscape. By the way, QP leaders will be holding a news conference at 10 this morning. Education Minister Stephen Lecce will speak at 9 this morning. So we'll get hopefully some more information on some of the next steps that each side are prepared to take. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Can't blame many in this community for being a little hot under the collar, that is, after a decision and announcement uh, late Friday, which is usually the case with these kind of decisions or rulings, if you will. Going against a promise that it made not too long ago, the Ford government is now proposing to remove land from the green belt to build at least 50,000 new homes while adding new land to the Greenbelt elsewhere. Basically, what it means is that the province is overriding city council's decision to freeze Hamilton's urban boundary. You remember that debate months ago. And will allow up to 2,200 acres of new housing development in parts of Ancaster, Glanbrook, Stony Creek. Here to talk about it is John Paul Danko, Ward 8 Councillor with the City of Hamilton. JP, good morning. How are you? 
Uh, good morning, Rick. I've had better Mondays. I can imagine you chatted with the CHML reporter Ken Mann over the weekend, and you said, quote, this is an historic betrayal of residents. How so? Well, the city of Hamilton made a decision to hold a firm urban boundary, and that was one of the most important decisions uh, of our council, certainly, and, and almost any council ever in the city of Hamilton, because it sets the growth pattern for the future of our city for the next 30 years. And that was based on uh, an amazing level of involvement by residents, uh, survey with over 18,000 uh, replies, uh, over 90% said hold the urban boundary, and that's and that's what council did, and that's for, you know, for the future, for jobs, for the economy, uh, for uh, you know taxpayers, for <laughs> for the environment. There's so many reasons, and just to have that just unilaterally blown up by the provincial government. Not only did they decide that they are going to build houses on every single available acre of farmland in the entire city of Hamilton. They also added parts of the green belt, which they said they would not do. And it just feels like a, an absolute betrayal. Do you feel council's voice has been muted by the Ford government in this uh, regard? Well, we've been completely ignored. Uh, obviously, that wasn't even a close vote. I think it was 13 to 3. Um, and then since then, our staff have been working on the plan that that council has, has said uh, we are going to proceed with. Um, so not only have we been muted, I mean, <laughs> we've been just completely steamrolled by the Ford government. We know that uh, the developers, members of the Hamilton development industry, have meeting, been meeting directly with the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing um, at the Empire Club in downtown Toronto, secret backroom uh, meetings. And, you know, that's where it seems that these deals are made and not with uh, the residents who actually vote for their local government. John Paul Danko, Councillor Ward 8, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML as we talk about the urban sprawl debate and the Ford government's decision to open up some greenbelt lands, which include up to 2,200 acres of land here in uh, Ancaster, Stony Creek, and Glanbrook. What happens now? Does the city have any recourse in this? There's nothing we can do about the official plan. That is set. Uh, not only is it 2,200 hectares, it's also blowing up the secondary plans. So for places like Ancaster, uh, Binbrook that had height restrictions. Those are now, you know, now eight, six to eight stories instead of three stories. Uh, so I think as a council, we will have to look and see uh, with our staff what repercussions or, or what recourse we may take. Uh, that land has to be serviced. We have to have staff that would be assigned to uh, the design and development of that land. And that is under the control of city council. Uh, honestly, I don't see why we would... Um, you know, be jumping at the development of this land. So I think we'll look at every opportunity that we have to uh, to see what we can do to make sure that we are as responsible as we can with our future growth. It's, it's no secret that more homes are needed in this city and many other cities in this province. In this case, though, obviously the city doesn't have a say as to where uh, homes will be built with these lands opening up, but can the city dictate what kinds of homes are built on these new parcels of land? Yes, so that's part of the requirement that we have to come up with a secondary plan. I think the developers are planning that it's going to be all low-rise, basically single-family home McMansions. Um, we'll do our best to be more responsible with that. There's no question that more housing is needed in the city of Hamilton, but right now we have available land up until 2031 uh, within the current urban boundary, the current um, 
current development trends. So there's absolutely no need for this in the short term. Also, councils approved just in this past term um, over 5,000 new housing units per year. So it's not like we're not already uh, working on that, providing more housing. The only question is where we grow and not uh, not that we're still adding housing. So do you envision the plan right now to build within the city and then once all those lands are taken up by homes to now go after these uh, new hectares of land? We have over 800 hectares of available land right now in the city of Hamilton up to 2031. So that's development for the next 10 years at the current uh, growth uh, plan, so the current uh, uh, you know, style of housing. Um, so that is, is for sure my preference. I am hoping that would be the preference of council. I don't know at this point what controls we have on phasing. Um, the provincial government seem pretty adamant that they uh, want farms developed into McMansions. And uh, I'm not sure what we can do about that in terms of phasing at this point. Uh, we've got about 30 seconds. Environment Hamilton says this is going to mean car-dependent, unaffordable neighborhoods. Agree? Oh, absolutely. And it's disastrous for the taxpayers in the city of Hamilton because sprawl development is net negative for taxpayers. It costs us money to build these homes. It's a giant Ponzi scheme. The only way it can be funded is by building more and more and more sprawl development, whereas infill development is tax positive for taxpayers. John Paul Danko, thanks for your time today. Thank you. That is uh, J.P. Denko, Councillor Ward 8, City of Hamilton, and offering his thoughts on the um, carving up of the green belts, at least in uh, Ancaster, Stony Creek, Glenbrook, with some new lands opening up for housing development. How it's all going to pan out from here on in is going to be very interesting to see because uh, the debate will continue to rage on. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Building more homes, creating more affordable housing, one of the biggest issues that we're facing right now. I want to introduce you to a local company that's changing that narrative and allowing you to get more out of your home. Ken Beckendam is the owner of Legal Second Suites, and you can find them online at LegalSecondSuites.com. And Ken joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Ken, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Number one, thanks for sponsoring the show. This is awesome, and I think this is a partnership that can live on for a while because this is a big priority item for this city, for this province, for this country. Let's dig into it. Tell us about Legal Second Suites. What are you guys all about? So our company, so we started in 2018, um, and our uh, our company helps uh, homeowners, property owners, uh, you know, look at the space that they have in their homes, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, an unfinished basement, could be an empty garage, could be just, you know, overall unused living space. And we help them, you know, make better use of that space by creating a legal second dwelling unit. The tagline for your company, get more out of your home. You must walk into homes and think, boy, the potential at this place is amazing. You know what? Every time I walk into somebody's home, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, there's so much that we can do here. There's so much space. Uh, there's so much opportunity. Um, and it's, it's incredible when you actually start looking around how much space we have that we just don't use or is underutilized. Um, and, you know, given the current uh, climate that we're in with housing and the need for housing, uh, it's it's more important than ever that we actually take a close look at those spaces uh, to see what we can do with them. For homeowners who are listening to this right now and have been thinking about, uh, you know, establishing a, a basement apartment or a legal second suite in their home, what do they often overlook? Well, 
in my experience, you know, the, the biggest thing that you know people are scared of the process. Um, they're, you know, they're they're scared of the un, the unknowns about you know what does it take to actually legalize uh, a space. And you know, I'm here to tell you guys that it's not as you know, it's not as scary as you think it is. Um, you know, many of the the building code requirements, um, you know, many of the zoning bylaw requirements are relatively easy to um, you know to um, to get. Uh, installed into your your unit um, if you have the proper guidance, obviously from a professional. Um, and this is where you know we come in and we you know we try and help the homeowner figure it all out and make sure that we can we can do it in a, uh, a legal manner. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Ken Beckendam, the owner of Legal Second Suites. You can check him out at LegalSecondSuites.com, the new sponsor as well for Good Morning Hamilton here on 900 CHML. Let's talk about cost. Are we are we talking tens of thousands of dollars, or can these Legal Second Suites be done for much cheaper than that? Well, it really depends on the space that we're working with, um, you know, uh, whether it's already been renovated to a certain extent or if we're creating a space from scratch. So, you know, like any renovation that you're going to undertake in your home, it's all about the scope of work and, you know, just exactly what we what we need to do. Um, you know, sometimes we've converted existing spaces into a legal suite, you know, for only a, a few thousand dollars. Other times, it's, you know, it could be over $100,000, you know, just depending on, again, the scope of work. Basement apartments, probably the most common legal second suites, I would I would imagine? Yes. No, the, uh, you know, the unfinished basement is, you know, typically the number one place that we, we look to start uh, when we're adding a space into our homes. Um, but there's many other spaces, you know, there's, there's unused second floor spaces or even, you know, um, half stories like attic spaces that aren't uh, being fully utilized. There's, you know, empty garages that we have, whether it's an attached garage or even a detached garage. You know, there's lots of spaces that we can add these units. What about secondary units on the same property? Is that one of the biggest opportunities that your company and, and homeowners are looking at right now? Well, this is where, you know, this is, you know, with the, the latest changes that the province has come out with um, that is allowing us to do these units, this is where there's definitely a huge opportunity for homeowners to, you know, look in their, their backyards, uh, look into these, you know, large spaces that they have, uh, these large, you know, pieces of land that they have in their backyard um, and, and seeing if we can add a unit. And lots of times we can. We can, in fact, add a, uh, you know, create a new detached structure back there um, and create it into a home for somebody to live in. Um, and this is what's so exciting right now about, you know, what's all happening with the uh, provincial announcements that's allowing two units and three unit dwellings. Um, it just really opens the door for people to, um, you know, find different ways of, of living and creating um, great, safe, uh, legal places for people to live, you know, whether it's their elderly parent or a, um, you know, maybe it's an adult child who, uh, you know, needs a place to look uh, or sorry, to live. The opportunities are, are actually tremendous. Yeah, and the possibilities are endless. I'll encourage our listeners to get more out of your home by visiting LegalSecondSuites.com. Big thanks to owner Ken Beckendam for jumping on board as a sponsor and a guest this morning. Ken, thanks for your time. Enjoy the rest of your day. 
Thank you, Rick. Have a great day. You too. Ken Beckendam, owner Legal Second Suites. Again, online, LegalSecondSuites.com. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Ticats season came to an end in Montreal in yesterday's East semifinal. 28-17, the final as the Owls off to the East final in Toronto. Orlando Steinauer is the head coach and vice president of football operations with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Joining us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Coach O, how are you? Uh, I've been better, but uh, doing great, Rick. Thanks for having me on. You've uh, had a chance to sleep on it. What are your reflections on yesterday's playoff loss? No, not much sleep. Not much sleep. Uh, just disappointed. Disappointed that uh, we didn't put on. Uh, we, we really weren't who we were, and uh, we just weren't good enough uh, yesterday. You've been in the league for many, many years. Every season, as you know, there's there's change. What changes do you plan to make or would like to make for 2023? Yeah, it's too early for that, Rick. I just just going to have check out uh, meetings here with the players today, uh, meet with the staff. Um, you know, the goal is always to win championships. Uh, as far as fine fixtures and details and, and changes to make, there, it's just way too soon to, to be speaking on that. You're hosting the Grey Cup next year. Sadiq Hamilton will will put on a bigger show than what we saw uh, last year. Is there more pressure with hosting the Grey Cup, being the home city, in terms of stocking the cupboards with more talent and try to make that run? Well, you know, we've already done it once, right? So it's not like we haven't uh, been there before. Uh, pressure is an interesting word. Pressure usually I refer to happens in football when you're not prepared. And so we'll prepare uh, for whatever may come our way. Um, football is um, so unique because there's so many moving parts that you can't prepare for everything, and that's why you got to be fluid and, and ready to make changes on the fly. And so um, I, don't, I don't see it as added pressure because uh, we still have a whole offseason to prepare, and we'll just take it one day at a time and, and stick to the process. 2022 has been a a pretty wild year for the Hamilton Tiger Cats with a slow start with four straight losses. You're 3-9 by Labor Day, but one heck of a run was made by your team over the last six weeks of the season. You win five out of those last six games, including four in a row going into the playoffs. When you think about this season, what are some of the words that come to mind? Perseverance, resilience, uh, unity, hard work those type of things like super proud super proud of the the effort of the whole organization of staying together sticking to our foundation and working to improve and drowning out outside noise uh, the belief we had in one another was um, it showed in the last six weeks uh, obviously it's got to show up at the most critical stat in the win column and we were able to do that down the stretch Last year after the Grey Cup, you were asked about your future with the team. You famously said, I am where my feet are, which I love that quote. Will your feet remain firmly implanted in Hamilton in 2023? Wow, that's a hot question. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, they, you know what, life, life is full of, of, you know, unexpected things, twists and turns, but I have no plans. I can honestly say I have no plans of not being part of the Hamilton Tiger Cat organization. Well, that's good to hear as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it was a, an up-and-down season for uh, you and the team, and uh, better luck next year for sure. Let's hope that uh, the Ticats can celebrate a long-sought-after Grey Cup. Is It's, uh, it's uh, too many years before uh, or since that trophy was uh, hoisted by a member of the Black and Gold. Coach O, thanks for the time, and uh, enjoy the offseason. 
Yeah, thanks, Rick. Thanks for the season, too. Have a great day. That's Rolando Steinauer, the head coach and vice president of football operations with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Some tough choices ahead in terms of the coaching staff, future of many players. But as you heard, Coach Steinauer, too early to make those assessments. Those meetings will be had today and over the next few days and over the next few weeks. And uh, I'm, I'm sure some tough decisions are going to be uh, are going to be made. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. As we know, Remembrance Day is approaching this Friday, and there is a high school here in Hamilton that is going above and beyond in honoring some former students who fought for our country's freedom. It's a really interesting story. That school is Cathedral High School, and they're setting up a war memorial inside the school. Vince Lepore is a teacher at Cathedral who's behind this project and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Vince, good morning. How are you? Doing excellent, Rick. How are you? I'm good. I, I've been at Cathedral a number of times. My uh, Both my kids went there, and I know that there are several murals inside the hallways throughout the school. And from what I remember, there is a Remembrance Day-related wall in the school. Uh, is this going to be an addition to that, or is this something entirely new? Well, actually, it's going to be an incorporation of the new War Memorial. The War Memorial that you're speaking about was uh, created in 1947, exactly 75 years ago, and it was blessed by the um, His Excellency Bishop uh, Ryan. Uh, on that particular one memorial, it's a, um, a carved statue um, in marble of uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and then the base has uh, 59 names of students who died in World War II etched um, on the bottom. This new war memorial will now include the 74 cathedral students who were killed in action during both World War One and World War Two, And the focal point of the new war memorial will be the old war memorial statue. And I'll just add to that, that the new war memorial will actually have plaques of these 74 um, cathedral heroes. And those plaques will each contain, uh, for the most part, portraits uh, of the soldiers, as well as military information. This is going to be a really powerful display for students and staff, obviously. What's it been like putting it together? Well, well, firstly, it's been a great team effort. We've had a lot of very dedicated um, and passionate volunteers uh, who have assisted with this. Uh, it's really been a labor of love. Uh, a number of these uh, soldiers, as the students, uh, of course, and staff and, and members of the greater community will um, will learn or, or have their knowledge reinforced is a number of these uh, students who passed away were only one, two or three years older than the current students at the school, right? So this is a, a, a great way to pay tribute to these uh, cathedral heroes uh, as well as to, um, to educate uh, our current and future students. Vince Lepore is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Vince is a teacher at Cathedral High School who's behind the school's Wall of Distinction and, and War Memorial Project. When you're researching uh, former students from Cathedral who were in uh, World War One and Two, how difficult was it in, in obtaining that information that they indeed went to Cathedral? It was extremely difficult. Uh, we used a myriad of um, uh, venues in order to do our research and in our research, we had very high standards. We had to confirm in two different ways that the students, uh, that the, the soldiers did indeed attend cathedral. 
And um, it made it a little more difficult because this research, which is, uh, which goes back to uh, the, the beginning of COVID, uh, we, we were limited at times in our access to archival information. Yeah, I can imagine that was a, a massive challenge. What do you hope the takeaway is going to be for students year in and year out, and not necessarily just around Remembrance Day, but when they're in the hallways, they pass by this war memorial, this wall of distinction? What do you hope they, they feel? Well, I hope they feel um, gratitude uh, to these uh, former cathedral students who paid the ultimate sacrifice. So, of course, gratitude is so important and uh, appreciation for the sacrifices that they made um, for all of us. Yes, they are definitely heroes. Vince, really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for taking on this project. I'm, it's going to have a long-lasting impact for students and staff and anyone else who visits Cathedral. And thanks for your time this morning. You're very welcome, Rick. That's Vince Lepore. He's a teacher at Cathedral High School here in Hamilton and also behind the school's Wall of Distinction project, this war memorial that's honoring former students who fought in the First and Second World War. I can imagine the challenge behind trying to uh, cross-reference students that were in the school, those that enlisted, those who fought in the war, those who died in both wars. Uh, obviously a massive challenge, but a big uh, reward for those of us who get to visit the school and, and take in this Wall of Distinction project. Tip of the cap to those at Cathedral for taking this on. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. People that also enforce policy at Twitter to ensure that the information is not uh, hate, speech, and so forth, those people are being laid off. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. Yes, major moves at Twitter laid off about half its workforce as new owner Elon Musk overhauls the company. There is some news about that workforce, and we'll get into it with our next guest here, Carmi Levy, technology analyst and journalist who joins us now on GMH on 900 CHML. Carmi, welcome back to the show. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Great to be here. I'm well. Thanks for having me. This has been a chaotic few days, if not weeks or months, uh, with those at Twitter. Elon is the new owner. Your reaction to what we have been seeing over the last number of days? Uh, it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> I, think, I think we expected it to be a, a bit of a mass chaos, and that's exactly what's happened. That's kind of the way Elon Musk has operated all along. He kind of creates chaos. He's a master of it. Um, that's how he has succeeded at SpaceX. It's how he succeeded at Tesla. It's essentially how he's operated his, his entire career. But I think when we kind of knew that Twitter was a little bit of a different animal than those other companies, uh, and I think when you, you're sort of discovering it now that when you get into a social media company as opposed to a rocket company or an electric vehicle company, uh, there are many more considerations that you probably hadn't experienced previously. And I think it's dawning on him that he's in a little bit deeper than he probably thought he would be. Uh, and that's why he seems to be skittering from one crisis to another. Um, and essentially, instead of getting ahead of the story, he's almost reacting from one crisis to the next. It's kind of, you know, on, part of it is entertaining to watch, but the other part of it is kind of sad. I mean, Twitter is a bit of a legacy resource um, you know, it, it kind of has a very special place in the heart of a lot of people. And to see it go through this and, you know, potentially 
you know, essentially, uh, you know, head for the exits is kind of frightening to watch and somewhat sad. Part of the dumpster fire was that about half of Twitter's workforce, which numbered about 7,500, were given pink slips. And then some, if not many, according to some, were called back to the job because the cuts ran too deep. And that happens from time to time. But it's certainly not a good look with all the other fires that Mr. Musk is trying to put out here. It certainly isn't. Uh, and especially in tech where, you know, the, the you know, it's relatively easy for um, a highly skilled individual in San Francisco or somewhere in, you know, in the middle of Silicon Valley uh, to, to hook up with another tech company. So, you know, talent acquisition is a huge challenge for any technology company. Uh, if you are, uh, you know, if you are in the space to go back to a company that just laid you off, sorry, we made a mistake. Um, no, uh, you know, it's not only not a good look, it's frankly unheard of in the industry. And um, honestly, like if you're any stakeholder, let alone uh, an employee, a former employee, a prospective employee, an advertiser, a potential investor, you're kind of looking at this and going, maybe I should just stay away until the fire dies down. This is just a little bit nuts for me. Um, you know, some people love the chaos. They're, they gravitate toward it. But most of us uh, just really don't want to have anything to do with it. And we'll wait until it dies down before we pay attention again. A lot has been made about the blue check mark or the verified accounts. And now people who have that or want it will need to pay $8 a month to get it. Do you, do you see a lot of people dumping it and, and a lot more saying no thanks? Well, if you follow you know, a number of Hollywood celebrities who have had blue check marks for a while, I think it's fairly easy to see that's not going to be a thing for them. You know, you've, you've, you, you, you gave it to me without me asking, and now you're going to make me pay for it. It seems somewhat ridiculous. Um, so, no, I don't think this is going to be a, a, a mass acceptance kind of thing. I think a lot of people are looking at this thing. It's, it's a cash grab. It's a company doing what it needs to do to find other sources of revenue. But it kind of misses the point of the entire verification process. It's to tell the difference between legitimate and non-legitimate end users, especially those with a higher profile. And so it, it, it essentially laughs in the face of the entire concept of verification. Well, now anybody who wants to spend eight bucks a month can be quote-unquote verified, which basically means a platform that has had difficulty telling the, the, the difference between information and misinformation, legit, non-legit, it's now going to be even harder to tell. It's now going to be even easier for those so-called bad actors. Anyone with a, with a credit card cannot basically pretend to be anyone else. And that is kind of a frightening place to be because as we know, and as you and I have spoken about a number of times over the years, Twitter has had this legitimacy problem almost since day one, and it hasn't done enough to address it. Now it seems to be going in the other direction. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Carmi Levy, technology analyst and journalist. We're talking about Twitter and uh, what Elon Musk is doing to overhaul the company. One of the announcements, and it happened, I think, last night or uh, over the last number of hours, is that Twitter is going to ban impersonators. And to that end, comedian Kathy Griffin, very outspoken on social media, has been suspended from Twitter for impersonating Elon Musk. And so uh, he tweeted, going forward, any Twitter handles engaging in impersonation without clearly specifying parody will be permanently suspended. And he went on to say, actually, she was suspended for impersonating a comedian. But if she really wants her account back, she can have it. Um, there, there's, uh, there's some gray area here. 
Uh, there's a lot of gray area, and I suspect it's yet another example of Elon Musk creating a whole lot of noise in one area because he really hasn't fixed everything that's going on in another. You know, if, if and I was following this over the weekend, Valley Bertinelli had done exactly the same thing. They changed their their display name to Elon Musk and and uh, and used his photo uh, as their avatar. But if you looked at the Twitter handle, it still said Kathy Griffin. It still said Valerie Bertinelli. It was still pretty obvious that they were joking around to make a point. They weren't deliberately spreading misinformation. They were using weaknesses in the platform, acknowledged weaknesses that had been there for as long as the platform had been around to illustrate just how ridiculous the current regime was being. Um, And so, you know, on the one hand, he's saying, Elon Musk is saying, you know, anyone who impersonates anyone else is going to be permanently banned. That's good. But really what Ms. Bertinelli and what Ms. Griffin were engaged in this weekend was nothing more than parody. Um, And and the the sad fact is, is that the real actors of misinformation and disinformation are still very active on the platform, yet we don't hear a peep from Mr. Musk about what's being done about them. So it's a whole lot of theater. It's a whole lot of circus. But it still doesn't go anywhere near addressing the fundamental weaknesses of Twitter. Still doesn't address the problems that everyone has been screaming about for years and still haven't been fixed. Well said. Carmi Levy, always a pleasure speaking with you. Have a great day. Appreciate being here, Rick. Thank you. Carmi is a technology analyst and journalist offering his thoughts on Elon Musk's version of Twitter. Off to a rather rocky start. We'll see how uh, it transpires over the next few years. I don't know. If if he comes calling on my door to say, hey, you got to pay eight bucks for that blue check mark. I'll say thanks, but no thanks. You can have your check mark back. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.